All right. Hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar series, Israel Insider, with Naveh Dromi filling in for Ashley Perry this week. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Naveh Dromi, Director of MEF Israel, here to speak with us today. Naveh will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 10 to 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. And now, with no further ado, I will turn the discussion over to Naveh Dromi. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you, Stacy, and thank you for having me. Uh, good evening from Israel. In this webinar, I will try to analyze the inner politics in Israel after the announcement of the agreement between United Arab Emirates and Israel. And I will try to, to explain if and how the agreement somehow impact the politics in Israel. It's actually a very um, interesting evening in Israel because due to the different uh, news that we get, it seems like Israel is going uh, for elections again. Um, I doubt if it somehow relates to the agreement. It does, of course, in some ways, we will see it, but very interesting to follow what will happen in the next week. So about the agreement, I will start with a short analyze of how people in Israel react to this, uh, left and right, but then I will dive deeper into the parties, how the parties react, how different public figures react. And um, to be honest, it's very similar, the way that the public divided and how the political system was divided about the agreement. So when it comes to right and left, it seems like most Israelis are happy about the agreement. Uh, journalists uh, from right and left are full of compliments to Netanyahu. Um, some of them say that it's one of the most important agreements that Israel ever had, more important than the ones that we had with Jordan and Egypt. Of course, comparing to the Oslo Accords because um, the way that they analyze it is that this agreement comes from a more powerful uh, stand of Israel. Israel doesn't have to give up something. We'll get to it about uh, the sovereignty. Uh, and for Netanyahu personally, it's a very big achievement. Um, still in the public, there are the margins who are angry about the agreement. Uh, from the right, you hear voices saying that Netanyahu betrayed them, giving up on the sovereignty. Um, they also get criticism because many of them were the ones that um, were against Trump plan. So people are saying to them, before you were against sovereignty, you were against Trump plan, and now you're saying that you lost sovereignty. This is from the right. From the left, we hear voices of people saying that this is not a real peace because the Palestinians uh, left out of it. Or saying this is not a real peace because we didn't have um, enemy relationships with uh, the UAE before. Um, I have to say that these margins voices um, are very loud and they are not represent the, the general public and the general voices in Israel. Um, and this is about the general idea. 
Now let's go, let's dive deeper into the politics. Um, again, it's similar. In the Likud, of course, everyone uh, was very happy about the agreement. And they continued to give compliments to Netanyahu to say that this is what the right wing and the national camp always said, that it's good to get agreement from a stand of power and from uh, something that you, that from a stand that you don't have to give up something and they see you as equal to the other side. From the right, Yamina party, uh, we see criticism about the agreement and about the fact that it seems like Trump land and the sovereignty of all Judea and Samaria is no longer on the table. It's something that obviously not something to be discussed right now. Who knows what will happen about after the elections in the United States. And then this is something that we have to say very clearly. It's something that Israel gave up right now, even though in the Likud and Netanyahu, people are still saying that it is something that they are, that they do want to do. And so Yamina are very criticizing of Netanyahu. From the Orthodox parties, there are no special sayings. Um, they are natural allies for the Likud, especially now when we see that elections might be around the corner. I don't see any of them um, moving away from the Likud or Netanyahu. Is still, uh, he still has power. And from the left, we see something similar to what's going on in the public. Uh, in the moderate left Zionist parties, uh, most of the people had compliments about the agreement. Um, I'm speaking about the Labour Party and Kaholavan, Blue and White Party. Something interesting about Blue and White is the fact that Benny Gantz, the head of Blue and White, and Gabi Ashkenazi, the second person after Benny Gantz, weren't updated about the agreement. According to the news here, only three people knew about the agreement. Netanyahu, the head of the National Security Council, and Ron Dermer. Since Benny Gantz and Gabi Ashkenazi have a very high profile in the public and also in the government, Benny Gantz supposed to be the replacement prime minister in one year, it seems like that the gaps that war between the two, between Benny Gantz and Netanyahu, are even deeper now after the fact that they didn't know about the agreement, they heard about it like you and Hayard heard about it, uh, and they're feeling neglected. They're feeling they're not really part of the government, Netanyahu doesn't see them as partners. And this uh, feeling goes both ways. And I'm, I'm I'm putting a line between the things I'm saying now to what I said in the beginning. I think that the, the, if we'll go to elections now, it won't be about the agreement, but this gap, the fact that they weren't updated about the agreement, does add to their feelings that Netanyahu is not honest about him giving Gantz the place in one year. Let's move to the more extreme left in Israel. A Meretz party and the Yeshatid. Yeshatid are mainly extreme because they agreed to sit with the Arab parties uh, in, the last in the last election. Uh, they greeted, I mean, they complement the agreement. Uh, but again, 
we hear the same voices saying that the agreement didn't uh, include the Palestinians, that as long as there is occupation, Israel will never have peace, no matter with which Arab country. Um, and they are doing the connection between the Palestinians and the occupation to the agreement between Israel and the, the UAE. About the Arab parties, um, you can guess that they are very upset about the agreement. Um, they are very angry about the Americans. They are more angry about the UAE. It's very interesting to see how the Emirates, the people in the United Arab Emirates, react to the agreement. Uh, they are more happy and the Israeli public sees really the news. Many of us are on Twitter or Twitter people take it to the Facebook. So we see how the, the, how the citizens of UAE react to this. And what's happening now is that many people in Israel calling to the Israeli Arabs population in Israel to move away from the Arab parties that don't represent their opinions, don't represent their values. And it's interesting to see what this agreement will do regarding the relationship between Jews and Arabs in Israel. Um, I want to give you an example for things that happening now and how the public react to this. So for example, just to let you know how much anger there is in the right camp about Netanyahu regarding the sovereignty over Judean, Samaria, Jordan Valley, and giving up the Trump plan, is that uh, Rafi Peretz, the minister of Jerusalem, offered Netanyahu to build a new neighborhood in uh, East Jerusalem. Uh, I don't think it's something that's going to happen, but it is something that they use as a tool to, to have right, uh, to have back uh, right-wing voters that they lost because of this step. But interesting to see that the agreement didn't change almost at all uh, the polls, the, the situation in the polls. Uh, Bennett initiatives are still high on the 20 mandate. Um, the Likud is still on 31. So the agreement didn't change much if at all, um, more than that, if there are movements, they're not between right and left. They are in the right camp. Some people which are Likudnik um, will move to Yemina because they are disappointed about the sovereignty. But you won't see people from Yeshatid or Blue and White moving to the Likud because they are happy about the agreement. Uh, they might be happy about the agreement, but they will never vote for Netanyahu or for a party that will agree for Netanyahu to be prime minister. So this is why also in the polls, you don't see any change after the agreement. Um, and I don't think it will lead to any change at all uh, during the elections that might happen. It seems that people in Israel still give more uh, impact still give more attention to things regarding the coronavirus and the economy. And of course, the feelings about Netanyahu in Israel, those who like him, those who doesn't, uh, he's still, as I see it, um, the main issue when it comes to elections. Uh, and it goes together with him that uh, 
many in Israel see Netanyahu battle as the battle about the legal system in Israel. Uh, but this is, might be a topic for a different webinar. Um, so I hope it was interesting. Uh, I'm happy to hear questions and I'll do my best to answer it um, with the knowledge I have. All right, thank you so much for that. So the first question is, is does the UAE agreement bode well for Netanyahu in coming elections, possible coming elections? If the UAE agreement is good for Netanyahu in the coming elections, I don't think so much. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, in the polls that were published after the agreement, you didn't see a big movement uh, between the camp left and right. You did see movement in the right, people from the Likud leaving to Yemina because they are disappointed about the sovereignty, but that's it, not much. Thank you. So with possible elections, how would this impact the developing relations with the UAE, as well as chances of creating agreements with Bahrain, Oman, Sudan, and Morocco? I don't think the coming elections will affect it because Netanyahu um, Netanyahu's main goal, and he has said it many times, is to be remembered in the history as the keeper of Israel. And I doubt it that Netanyahu will give the benefit of enjoying this agreement to someone else. Uh, he won't take the chance of losing the elections and not having these agreements. And I don't know any leader in Israel um, that will be elected and somehow say that he's not respecting the, the agreements Netanyahu signed. So I think Netanyahu will sign more agreements because he wants to. And I think uh, he will do it no matter, um, no matter the elections. Actually, I think he will try to use it as tool to pull voters. All right, thank you. Um, with that, uh, how is the Israeli government reacting to both Oman and Sudan castigating their foreign ministers or foreign ministry spokesmen for indicating diplomatic relationship with Israel is eminent? Um, I, I think that the Israeli government didn't react, uh, and I think they shouldn't react. Um, these relationships are so gentle, so delicate, as we just learned most of these relationships are under the table. Um, many of these countries have to do things like this because they need to show it to the other countries and their citizens. Um, but I do believe that this step will bring other countries um, to sign with Israel agreement. I think that in the end of the day, what countries really care about is their safety. And once Iran is gaining more power, creating relations with China or other countries, then they will have no choice. And, uh, and Ben Zaid from the UAE made a step here that I think other countries will follow him. So right now, I don't think the Israeli government should react. They should just stay silent and wait for the other countries to approach to them. Thank you. So you brought up Iran. Uh, how will this historic agreement interact with the shared threat posed by Iran? Can you ask me again? How will this historic agreement interact with the shared threat posed by Iran for Israel and the UAE? 
So I think that, I mean, there are security issues that can really help. I'm taking it to the extreme idea. Let's say that Israel decide to attack in Iran. I mean, obviously it's easier uh, physically for, um, for Israeli troops to, to, to fly from UAE than from Israel. Um, it's something technical that can be much easier. Uh, but I think in even, you see the reactions in Iran right now, you see how the Iranians react to the agreement and you see that it's influenced them. So it can, this agreement can have a, a, can have a threat on Iran only in the existing of him. It can be a threat to Iran, as I said, from security issues, intelligence issues, economy. Um, I'm sure that the UAE, from what I read and from what I know, is is a mini empire. Uh, I I have I think that there are things I cannot think about that are already happening between the countries. So I think the the limit, uh, the sky is the limit for what can happen between the countries. And this is only speaking about Iran. I see also other issues that uh, Iran, that uh, the UAE and Israel wants to connect about. Um, let's talk about tourism. The, the tourist industry in Israel is now focused on tourists from the UAE. This is fascinating to see how you see people from Israel speak about how they need to adjust things. Temple Mount, it's also fascinating because Temple Mount, for example, is always a place of a um, of, um, conflict between Jews and Arabs. And now you see it's becoming a conflict between people from the UAE and Palestinians. So there are many interesting things happening and I think that we will see the impact on Iran, not only in the UAE, but also here. We'll see, I'm sure we'll see things happening. I'm sure. Uh, as far as tourism goes, what about the flip side? Do you see the ability of the Israelis to visit and shop in Dubai as tourists will be received favorably? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not one of these Israelis, but uh, I see groups of Israelis getting together, connecting uh, tourist people in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, already planning their trips. Uh, if you go on Twitter in Hebrew, you see people from the UAE writing in Hebrew uh, to Israelis, we're waiting for you to come. This is what you can do. You have the desert, you have the malls. Uh, I know Twitter is not representing, but in the end of the day, if you take, uh, if, you, if you go to the most mainstream uh, news, uh, news show, uh, and you see, and you see the reporters from Abu Dhabi and Dubai speaks with the people there. They are absolutely waiting for the Israelis to arrive. So, and by the way, this is why we are saying that this agreement is different from the one with Jordan and Egypt, because today Israelis are afraid to go to Jordan and Egypt, but it's completely different when it comes to the UAE. I had a chance to speak to a tourist expert yesterday, and he told me that it's amazing the interest of Israelis and how they are longing to go there. And I told him, I asked him if it's not too expensive after the COVID-19, and he said that a lot is more expensive than a hotel in Abu Dhabi. So for Israelis, it looks like a perfect place. 
That's pretty incredible. Um, so how influential was President Trump and his administration in making this agreement happen? It's a tricky question because I don't know. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't know for sure. I can tell you what we, what are the news that we hear and what the people that I speak with are telling me. And they're telling that in Trump administration, uh, there were different force from the one hand there was Jared Kushner, they didn't like the sovereignty, and David Friedman, they did like the sovereignty, and that there were arguments between them, and they, once the UAE saw the sovereignty as an opportunity to an agreement with Israel, they came with an offer saying, if Israel taking off the sovereignty, then we will be willing to sign agreement. Check this and you have more things happening. For example, the people from uh, Judean Samaria Council, um, which, which were very loud in their opposition to Trump land. Uh, I think they were wrong about what they did, but once they screamed and, their, and what they said and their voices um, got to the White House and to Kushner, it was the perfect opportunity for them to say, listen, even in Israel, people don't want it. So why are we trying to do this? Um, but back to your question, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Okay, I'm not sure where you know either. <laughs> um, so regarding Gantz not being advised ahead of time about the agreement, is Gantz a co-prime minister right now, or is he slated to take over? Like yeah. yeah, he's supposed to take over. And I mean, if we live in an ideal world, then uh, they will have an equal relationship. They update each other about what's happening all the time. But um, politics is uh, not that easy, and it's not ideal. So... And in the eyes of many people, this government didn't had chance from the beginning. And many people wanted, I mean, they, Netanyahu and Gantz, represented it as something that we have to do because of the COVID-19. But once it was established, it seems like none of them really knows how to handle COVID-19. And it was actually better managed when it was like a transforming government. So... Who knows? I think Benny Gantz um, has a bad luck to, to have the wrong people around him. And also he is in the time of one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful prime ministers ever Israel ever had. So it's tough. Mm. Understood. So is there any concern over the U.S.? This is part of the agreement of giving the F-35 fighter planes to the UAE? Um, I'll tell you something. I'm pretty sure um, the way that I view Israel today, I see Israel as a mini empire. And when it comes to uh, tech and military and agriculture, Israel can't expect uh, that a country that's supposed to be its enemies will, do, will not have weapon at all. And this is, I think, something that Israel needed to take as a consideration. 
uh, the fact that the UAE would like weapon to handle uh, the, the threat from Iran? Is it something that I want? No. Is it something that might happen? Yes, of course. And I think Israel should prepare for this and do the best in order to to make sure that it won't happen. The fact that we sign agreement doesn't mean that that we are getting married. Uh, also, people that get married also divorced. So, uh, so obviously, it's something that we don't want to happen. But Israel can and should be prepared for any scenario. All right. Thank you. So. Um... Moving forward to a positive side of that, or an optimistic outlook, what kind of businesses would you expect Israelis to pursue in the UAE? Will there be technical and scientific cooperation? To be honest, is another question I don't know how to answer. I think this is something that we should uh, invite someone that, uh, that is more um, expert about business. Um, from the articles I've read uh, and what I've saw, the UAE, I mean, I'm not speaking about democracy, but when it comes to business and tech, uh, they're in a pretty high level. And the Israelis are looking opportunities everywhere. So when, I think when it comes to agriculture, tech, clothes, fashion, again, I mean, when I, when I think about the Israel in mind, I think we can go to anywhere we want once we have the partners in the other side. So uh, it will be interesting. And also remember that the culture in Israel, some of it, it's kind of Arab culture. Um, so things can be similar in many ways. Uh, Israeli fashion can speak to, to, Israel, to, to the UAE women um, the food, can be similar. I mean, maybe Israeli food, like Israeli culinary with a twist can be interesting in the UAE. So again, who knows? All right, thank you. Um, even without a peace agreement with Saudi Arabia, what are the chances of Israel receiving flyover rights? From what I know, pretty high. Pretty high. All right, that's good news. <laughs> um, are the Palestinians once again missing an opportunity by not coming on board with the UAE-Israel agreement? I think that the Palestinians, I mean, the answer first of all is yes, but they also lost, the train already left when I think Trump administration approached to them and asked them to be part of the talks and they refused. Um, but to be honest, uh, the fact that the Palestinians are out of this program, this is one of the biggest things that this agreement offered to us. And for years, I think since I was born, uh, I'm 35 now, the only perception I knew is that the Palestinians has to be part of the solution uh, if we want uh, peace in the world, peace in the Middle East. Uh, obviously that was wrong then, it's wrong now, and this agreement proves it. And the Palestinians, as I see it, or the Palestinian battle is an obstacle for a, I don't believe there can be a peace in the world, but obviously it's an obstacle for, for, for relationships with other countries. Um, so yes, they missed the opportunity and they missed it before, they will miss it in the future. 
And I think it's time for them to take responsibility over their lives. Do I believe it will happen? The answer is no. All right, we have time for one last question. Do you think that there will be well, the usual way of things happening is that the slightest mention of peace brings out an increase in violence and attack by Hamas. Uh, do you think that there's any talk of a renewed war for violence? Um, Hamas has began to, to show some muscles even before the announcement on the agreement. Um, it's a good question, actually, because it, it's interesting to see what Iran will tell Hamas to do. Obviously, they are in touch. Um, but uh, I hope that now Israel will finally, after the agreement is already on the table, will allow itself to be more aggressive in our react to Hamas. Um, I'm not sure it will happen because knowing Netanyahu, he might want to keep it on a low fire to not risk the agreement in any way. But we have to remember that this agreement again proves that the Palestinians are not an issue. They are just an excuse. And once they're not the excuse anymore, um, Israel should allow itself to, do, to be more aggressive. And I think, Another thing that needs to happen, it comes up to my mind while, we, while I'm answering, is that I would like to see the Palestinian people see the agreement with the UAE and thinking to themselves that maybe there is a different way. If uh, people in uh, Libya, in Iran, in other countries with a very violent um, regime, regime um, went out of the streets so the Palestinians can also, unless they support terror just like Hamas. And then again, it's their problem, their responsibility. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Naveh, thank you again for taking the time to update us. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our viewers, on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we will have Dr. Zudi Jasser here discussing my story, the making of, anti of an anti-Islamist Muslim. Thank you all again for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.